we'll turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19. We can continue to see what God did in the early church. And look today at the Bible teaching about the Holy Spirit, the role He plays in our salvation, our righteousness, our holiness. The situation where we pick up here, Paul had just left Corinth and had gone back to his home church of Antioch in Syria that sent him as a missionary and an evangelist. And then after getting back to his home church, he went up north into what's modern-day Turkey through Galatia, the area there, uh, revisiting the churches he had founded in, in his uh, first missionary journeys. And while Paul's doing these things, some other people from Corinth who were originally from Rome, Aquila and Priscilla, they went to Ephesus. Uh, that's on the coast of Turkey. It was a major city at that time, even though there's not much there to speak of now. And uh, there they found a guy named Apollos. And uh, Apollos uh, grew up in Alexandria in Egypt, a major coastal city of Egypt. Uh, he was a believer in the Lord Jesus, but the Bible tells us he only knew about the baptism of John. And Priscilla and Aquila taught him more fully. And... Uh, now we have another case that we're looking at of 12 men who knew only about the baptism of, baptism of John. So in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, it says this, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked him, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul arrives in Ephesus, and he finds twelve whose faith is missing an important ingredient. Uh, some may have great knowledge about religion <clears throat> and about the Bible and about morality, but do not have a personal relationship of faith in God. An example of that would be Nicodemus at first who came to Jesus and uh, Jesus jumped right into it. You need to be born again. Unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. There are many modern day <coughs> Nicodemuses. People who are religious, who know some of the Bible, who hold to what the Bible says about morality, but they're not born again. They have no personal relationship with God through Christ. The truth is that a person can also be saved. A person can have knowledge of the of truth. A person can believe certain facts, but still not understand a simple part of what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian. Many believe in God. Many believe that they've sinned. Many believe that uh, God forgive, forgave their sin, that God loves you, that God saves you by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection from the grave, but they have no understanding. Their faith is immature. They might have no understanding of the Trinity, that God is three in one, 
that Jesus, the Son of God, came in the flesh from heaven, that the Holy Spirit is a real person who makes all the difference in the world in a believer's life. God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one God created all things. The one God saved us from our sins and gives us eternal life. But only the Son of God took on flesh. Only the Son died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And God the Father is in heaven, and yet is also everywhere in all creation. God the Son is in heaven at the right hand of the Father and will one day return uh, to rapture His people uh, to save them from this world and to judge the world. So, who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit has been sent from the Father and the Son to live in believers for a very important reason. <clears throat> Paul asked the twelve men about baptism. What baptism were you baptized with? And they said, John's baptism. John the Baptist came and he said, I baptize you with water for the repentance of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He baptizes with fire and with the Holy Spirit. And that's said every time in all four Gospels. It's recorded there. And it's recorded twice in the book of Acts. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, in verse 8, Jesus told the disciples before He ascended into heaven, He said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift My Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in Acts chapter 2, while the disciples were, 120 of them were in a room praying together, a violent wind came in among them and the place shook and tongues of fire separated and came upon each of them and they spoke in languages they had never learned. And the people that heard them, heard them speaking in their own languages and understood what they had to say that they were praising God. That was the giving of the Holy Spirit. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, God lives in us. And we have a personal relationship with Him of being born again. The very primary role here is that God lives within the heart of a believer. And we can have a personal relationship with the God who created the whole universe. Galatians 2.20 puts it this way, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way, Therefore, if anyone, in, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And on the night he was betrayed, Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit. It's found in the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. Maybe you're more familiar with that when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house are many mansions. 
And if I go, I'll come again. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But on, going on in chapter 14, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Counselor to be with you forever. To be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it doesn't see Him or know Him, but you know Him, for He is with you, and He will be in you. He will be in you. And later in that same chapter, Jesus said, If anyone loves Me, he will obey My teaching. My Father will love him, and we, Father and Son, will come and make our home with Him. The Holy Spirit is the one who lives within believers, but He's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, making our home in the believers. So Colossians 1.27 says, We've got the mystery that we proclaim to the, uh, to the Gentiles. How glorious is this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Romans 8, verse 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. Talk about having Christ in your life. 1 John 5, 12 and 13 says, uh, whoever has the Son has life. The Son in you. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 and said, examine yourselves. To see whether you are in Christ Jesus. Test yourselves. Don't you know that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. There, the Bible easily refers to the Son being in your life, but how is the Son in your life? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. It's a great thing to have knowledge in your mind. To know that you've sinned against God. To repent of that sin. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe that He took all your sins in His body to the cross, that He rose from the dead, confessing your sins, asking God to forgive your sins. But some people stop there and forget a very important thing. And that's to ask God into your heart, to ask Jesus into your life, to give your life to Him and say, God, give me your Holy Spirit to live in me. Bible talks about this. Jesus talked about it. Revelation 3, verse 20. Jesus, in His revelation to John, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears My voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with Me. And a, and a loose paraphrase on that is, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. Open your heart. Open your life and say, Come in, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus talked about it when He was talking about prayer in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. He says, Which of you children, if you, ask, if you ask your father for a fish, will he give you a snake? Or if you ask your father uh, for uh, an egg, will give you a scorpion? What kind of a mean dad does something like that? Jesus said, If you fathers, though you're evil, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask. 
Ask him to come into your life. It's not a religion with a set of rituals and a set of morals. And if that's all you've got, you've got next to nothing. It's not a religion with a set of rituals and a set of morals, which it does have, but it's about a personal relationship with God. The God who created the universe and the role of the Holy Spirit is to come into your life for a personal walk with God daily, always, never-ending. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? To live in the lives of, holy, of believers. God is everywhere. God the Father sees everything that goes on in the whole universe, but only in the lives of believers does God dwell through His Spirit. What else is the role of the Holy Spirit? If you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, then you have assurance of salvation. As it said, I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Hebrews 13, verse 5, God promises and said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus, before He ascended to heaven, the last command He gave His disciples to uh, the great commission to reach the world with the gospel. And then He says, and, and look, I'm going to be with you always. Always into the close of the age. The promise will give His Holy Spirit and not take it back. Second Corinthians one twenty two says, God set His seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Second Corinthians five five says, God has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? To live within believers. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? To give us assurance of salvation. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was promised to give us Power. That's what the Scripture in Acts says. Jesus said, Wait in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit promised to us is to give us power. That's twofold. First of all, through gifts. Through gifts for each believer. What gifts are there? Romans 12, verse 6 through 8 talks about the gifts of prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, showing mercy. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8-10 to 10, talks about the spiritual gifts, the message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, of faith, of healing, of miraculous powers, of prophecy, of distinguishing spirits, of speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Ephesians 4, verse 11 talks about gifts being given of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. First Peter 4, 9 through 11 talks about the gift of spiritual gifts of hospitality, of speaking, and of serving. And it has uh, different gifts in different places, and uh, some of those gifts are no longer given. There's no more apostles who saw Jesus risen from the dead given the Great Commission. There's no more prophecy. Uh, of new words of God. The Word of God has been given to us 
in the Bible, and there's no need, and there has been no one who has prophesied or written anything that needs to be added on to the Bible, because it's not the Word of God. The Word of God has already been given to us. I don't even think there's even the gift of prophecy as, as it relates to foretelling the future still given among people. And you can debate about speaking in tongues, too, whether that's still current or not. But the truth is, He gives us these gifts so that we can have power to live for Him and to make the Gospel known. And as 1 Peter 4.9 says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. To serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The church in Corinth was uh, corrected. No, they were scolded by Paul because they used their gifts self-servingly. They used their gifts self-servingly to show off, to demonstrate how spiritual different individuals were. They did not use their gifts to serve one another. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, he says, let, let no one seek his own good, but the good of others. Live your lives to serve other people. To reach the lost. To build up the church. To be used selflessly to serve. He gives us gifts that we might have power in reaching a world with the Gospel. And then He gives various gifts to each Christian. There's a couple of false teachings. There's no other way to describe this as false, unbiblical teaching. There is false teaching that uh, everyone should have the same gift from the Holy Spirit. That is absolutely false. It is not every Christian should have the same gift, whatever it might be. There are those today who believe you've got to speak in tongues or you're not a Christian. You haven't received the Holy Spirit. That's a false teaching from the Bible. Not every Christian has the same gifts. And Paul makes that very clear in 1 Corinthians and chapter 14. There's another false teaching. And that is the false teaching of thinking that because I have gifts, that shows I'm saved. Did you hear what I said? Thinking that because I have certain gifts, that shows that I'm saved. And that should make sense. If they're gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you have that gift, that means you've got the Holy Spirit, and that means you're saved. No! Just because you have a certain gift does not mean you're saved. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about that. And he says, uh, look out for false prophets. They're like wolves in sheep's clothing. You'll know them by their fruits. A, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. By their fruits you will know them. Then he goes on to say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Come Judgment Day, Jesus said, there's going to be people who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in Your name? That's a gift. Didn't we perform miracles in Your name? That's a gift. Didn't we cast out demons in Your name? That's a gift. And He'll say, I never knew You. I never knew You. Having gifts does not show that You are saved. 
What's the role of the Holy Spirit? To live within a believer. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? Assurance of salvation. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? To give us power. To give us gifts. To use. To serve one another. And to reach a lost and dying world. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was promised to give us power to produce fruit. To produce fruit. What do I mean by that? What does the Bible mean by producing fruit? It's very clear. Galatians 5, verse 22, it lists off. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It gives a nice, solid list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, on the night He was betrayed, in John chapter 15, when he talked, He's talked about the Holy Spirit to come, in John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides, remains in Me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So we're called to be in this relationship with the Lord Jesus through His indwelling Holy Spirit. And if we keep connected as branches with the vine, we will bear much fruit because apart from Him, we can do nothing. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that church is misused of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But in between chapter 12 and chapter 14 is chapter 13, and chapter 13 tells us about love, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He says, you can, and it starts out by saying, you can have all the gifts you want, but if you don't have love, you've got nothing. You might speak in the languages of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, you're just a noisy, clanging gong. You can give everything you have to the poor, generous, hospitality, uh, giving, contributing. But if you don't have love, you've, got, you've gained nothing. Gained nothing. The fruit of the Spirit is what the Holy Spirit gives us the power to produce. And in John chapter 13 through 16, I can't, think, I can't count right, four chapters that speak about uh, Jesus talking with the disciples in the upper room on the night He was betrayed. And He talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of God's Spirit in the lives of believers. But those four chapters are very big on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. On the fruit of the Holy Spirit. John 13.35 By this all men will know you are My disciples if you love one another. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. John 15, verse 12 and 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one in this than a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In verse 17, this is my command. Love each other. Fruit of the Spirit. In those chapters, he talks about joy. Joy. He's about ready to be beaten and crucified. And he talks to his disciples about joy. Chapter 16, verse 20 says, No one will take away your joy. 
Verse 24, he says, Ask and you will receive that your joy may be complete. He says, man, you can have joy in me no matter what your circumstances. Nobody can take it away from you. You can have the joy that comes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in your life and it's giving you the power to produce fruit of love and joy and peace. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus told them, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's not the normal word for afraid. It's the word cowardly. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be cowardly. Have peace in me. I give you peace that the world cannot give. And then in chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Take heart. I have overcome the world. In talking about the giving of the Holy Spirit, Jesus emphasized the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to produce fruit. Abide in me and I in you, and you will produce much fruit. What is that fruit? Love, joy, peace that he talks about. The Holy Spirit gives power to produce fruit. Paul writes in Romans 5 and verse 5, God has poured His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. If He calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love our enemies and pray for them, to lay down our lives for one another, whatever that might mean in whatever circumstances, He better give us the power to do that because we ain't got the power on our own. His Holy Spirit within to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Gifts are different to each and every believer. But fruit is something that must be common to all believers. The tree that does not bear good fruit, Jesus said, is cut down and burned in the fire. Cut down and burned in the fire. Gifts are not a mark of a Christian, but fruit is. One of the things I've found, I believe to be reasonable, is that if the Holy Spirit gives us power through His gifts, power to produce fruit, and then the Holy Spirit will also give us power to have victory over sin. And when you think about it, uh, throughout the years I've had various teachers, uh, people talk about this and that and the other thing, but victory over sin, I believe, is not by some secret spiritual strategy that somebody discovered. And victory over sin is not some psychology-driven mind game to practice. But victory over sin comes most often when we're busy producing fruit. When we're busy concentrating on the things of God and busy producing the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, there's no room. There's no room in your mind to go down the route of sin. I've rarely had victory over sin in my heart by willpower. I'm just going to try really hard to have the victory. 
But I have the victory when I'm caught up in love for God and busy living to love people, busy about the work of God's kingdom. Paul writes and puts it this way in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. He says, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow to the flesh, the sinful nature, from the flesh you're going to reap destruction. But if you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you'll reap eternal life. Eternal life. So let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. That's fruit. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know for sure that the Holy Spirit is within you. You have a daily walk, a personal relationship of trust. It all begins with something very simple. Not just asking God to forgive your sins and to give you eternal life and a home in heaven, but saying, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, no one else can do it for you. You have to make that decision. You have to say, God, come into my life. I believe you, you do what you say and you fulfill the promises you make. And you promise that if I ask, You'll give me the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. You have gifts. You recognize gifts and abilities that God has given you. There's some asking there to go along with that too. I hope at some time in your life, if you haven't, that maybe sometime you'll say, you'll ask God in prayer, and say, God, I'm not sure what gifts I have. I'm not, not sure what gifts You want me to have. But I ask You to give me gifts to serve You, to serve others, and to advance Your kingdom. I remember as a teenager in the late 70s, reading a scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 4 that's, 14 verse 1 it says earnestly desire spiritual gifts earnestly desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy and I remember praying saying God I, I, I want I want what you got for me if you got a gift for me I want the best you say earnestly desire especially prophecy give, give me that gift and I believe that prayer was answered by God calling me as a pastor and then as a preacher to make His Word known. If you're not sure what gifts you have, ask. Ask God pour out His gifts on you. It's your life producing fruit. I think that's one of the biggest things uh, that ran through my mind when I got saved. Before I used to... Before I got saved, I thought I was pretty good at loving people. And after I got saved, I thought, man, I'm nowhere close. I'm nowhere close to where I need to be. And uh, to have the Holy Spirit within you working in your heart to love others, to desire others to be saved, or to desire people to, to be forgiven of their sins. And so Proverbs 11, verse 30 says, the fruit 
the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. You remember the tree of life? And the garden in paradise. And the garden with Adam and Eve. They could eat from all the trees in the garden except for the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the middle of the garden was the tree of life. And they could eat from that. And they, they could live. And when they sinned against God, by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God banished them from the garden and said they're not getting to that tree of life anymore or else they'll live forever. They need to come to repentance, come to faith if they want to live forever. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. The fruit we produce, we can lead others to Christ, produce life as He has given it to us through His sacrifice on the cross. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life and the proverb ends by saying, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. Do you have people you're praying for? They're not living for God. They don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know them? Whether they're relatives, whether they're friends at school, at work, in the community, neighbors, people you have dealings with, are you praying for them? God would open their hearts to believe. Are you demonstrating the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their very presence, loving them with a, with a powerful Holy Spirit love that only God can give? <coughs> Are you powered by the Holy Spirit to open your mouth <coughs> and witness to them about the grace of God and His great salvation? Let's pray. <coughs> Father in heaven, we just ask that you would work in our lives to open our eyes to the needs around us, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we genuinely love every person we come into contact with, desire the best for them, to be willing to serve one another, to be willing to reach out to them with the gospel of the Lord, to encourage one another in faith. Father, this comes from you and from your Spirit. Lord, help us to keep in step with the Spirit, to walk by faith, not by sight, that all the glory, all the praise might be yours in His name. Amen. Lord, take your hymn books and turn to number 350. If you have a decision to make, I invite you to make it known in public today by coming forward as we sing this hymn. As the Lord speaking to you to unite with this church as a full member, come as we sing. If the Lord is uh, speaking to you to uh, be obedient to Him and give the witness of baptism to others to do so. If you're here and just pray to receive Christ, His forgiveness, His Spirit, uh, don't keep that to yourself. Come and make it known. You come as we sing. Let's stand again. Some days I'm so afraid Like I'm living inside a cave I hear you calling out my name And I want to fly I wanna fly, yeah